Welcome back to another edition of the No Further Comments Podcast, a.k.a. the NFC. I'm your co-host, Alex Meacham, and to my left... To the left. As always, is the talented, usually penless, snap chatless... Best with the snap. ...in a local fashion icon. He is Glenn Riley, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, people? Man, there's a lot going on, man. We're coming off a super hot podcast that we had with uh, Corey Blunt. Shout out to Corey Blunt. That is so far our most listened to podcast thus far, so we've got a lot to live up to today. No, oh, okay. Well, you know, I thrive under the pressure. Good. <laughs> I hope so. I'm, I'm, at the, I'm at the line with two seconds to go down by one. <laughs> Knocking him down? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a young freshman. I've never been in this position before. <laughs> so so what's up? What's going on? Chilling, man. Just Getting it done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode twenty three, right? Yeah, we got we got a lot to talk about. We've got a we got a special guest a little bit later, okay. which we're going to get into. Uh, quick social media, mm-hmm. a couple people were asking me about that on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Alex underscore Meacham, M E A C H A M. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Snapchat, You're Glenn. You're on Snapchat. At BigMeach41. Okay. You can find me on Facebook, Alex Meacham. There you have it. And Glenn's incognito on social media. I, I'm, I'm, I'm active. You go to Facebook, go to Glenn Riley, you'll see like art and designs and, and, and self-promotional material. I'm on um, the gram, the IG, as I like to call it. Yep. I don't even know what that man is. It's not, it's, not even, it's not even worth our time, people. I'll find you. If you want to give me some money, you you, you call Alex. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's jump into this uh, episode number 23. Yeah. Obviously, we've been knocking these out. Man, it's 23 already. That's, that's crazy. Eh, it is what it is. I mean, once every week, unless, um, you know, Mario's in Barbados with one of his women. <laughs> so that that's, you know. That's once a month? Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said before, we're coming off the uh, special episode with Corey Blunt. A lot of great stories. If you haven't heard it, go back and check that out. And, Glenn, I think we need to do and continue with our numbered podcast, but we might need to look at doing some special podcasts with special guests like we did with Corey. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and put those out every now and then. So got to give the people what they want. Yeah, whatever. So Give the people what they need. <laughs> <laughs> got to give the people what they want. So, Corey Blunt told, and for those that don't know Corey or haven't listened to it yet, a former Bearcat basketball player, part of the 92 Final Four team, and also an 11-year NBA pro, told some Michael Jordan stories, and and I think that's a great segue for this episode being number 23. And as usual... That was Michael Jordan's uniform number. Very good. (laughs) And that leads us to the jersey game. Yeah. What do you got, Glenn? Uh... A lot of, I don't know, kind of weird choices here. Uh, Marcus Camby. So we're starting with NBA. Uh, Yeah. Um, Jason Richardson. Draymond Green. Chubbs is like Draymond. uh, Anthony Davis. Better not say no. And the the king of Akron. Who would that be? LBJ. Steph Curry was born in Akron, right? Yeah, that's the craziest thing. They're both same born hospital. in the same hospital. Yeah, isn't that hospital gone now? Did, uh did I don't know. Down it, or something? They, they need to build it back up. <laughs> Make some more babies. We, we get no, those kind of results. <laughs> Put some babies out. Yeah, 
Okay, so you said uh, you said AD, LeBron. Did you say Camby? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me see. Switching sports, um, baseball. Got Dave Justice. Ooh, we told Dave Justice stories before. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he's married to Halle Berry, but when, 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 you know, when, when that was the the number one thing to be. Um, Kirk Gibson. Wait, 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 it's still not the number one thing to be. I mean, she's like fifty five now. You she still fi- looks good. Oh, she still looks good, but I mean, you know, fifty. Is Shaq saying uh, thirty five or twenty five, bro? <laughs> Do it one more time. <laughs> I would do the entire podcast. <laughs> Shaq voice. Yeah, uh, yeah. The legend, uh, Kirk Gibson, <laughs> hit hit the famous famous home run for the nah, <laughs> nah, hit the famous home run for the Dodgers. Uh, I know your boy, your favorite person, Bob Costas, ha- ha- has the, the the story about the the uh, Kirk Gibson nineteen eighty eight World Series home run. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was just—he <laughs> gave a play-by-play. It's on Ken Burns baseball. I—I I, I know how you light up whenever someone mentions the name Bob Costas. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll spare you that. Yeah, please do. Uh, Yankees '80s legend, um, hitman Don Mattingly. Yes, one of my favorite players growing up. And manager. Yeah, and of of not a good ma- not a good manager at that. I've heard. Uh, I don't know. An average manager. Fair, fair to say, but I mean. It, it, even the average manager is good in the years his team plays well. So, I mean, who's to say? Okay. Another um, guy managed a little bit in the same era, uh, Ryan Sandberg. Yes. Of um, second baseman, Hall of Famer for the Cubs during the 80s. Yep. Ryan Sandberg was was a quality player. I remember the Reds used to always get, get beat up by Sandberg. And a quality man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about it. His personal life, but uh, football. Okay, and I'm gonna switch it up on you, David Beckham. Ooh, could see football in Europe in, in soccer. Yeah, he don't know. He don't know nothing about that. Yeah, killed him. <laughs> and, me uh, outside. And, and football, also in American football, um, Devin Hester. Okay. Yeah. The, yep. the, the kick return, probably the, the greatest kick return um, specialist in, in history of the NFL. Um, and then. Uh, strange one, Mike Wagner. What didn't didn't what, what familiar with who Mike Wagner is? But he was a uh, four time Super Bowl champ on the um, seventy Steelers, were number twenty three. So that's kind of like the that, that's the little thing I learned while while doing uh, valuable research, very valuable for for this uh, podcast. But but we that's say, what makes this podcast great. It it really is. But you know, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> and, and 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 when you're talking about 23s, you got to bring up other than LeBron James, who 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 was coming for that coming for that that that, that crown. Yep. The God Michael Jordan. Do you, do you think real quick? Do you think that LeBron James, because he's wearing 23 in the comparisons, mm-hmm. do you think he won't shave his head because that would make him look? He he would really have the whole look of Michael Jordan because a lot of people think that. Oh, for real? That he won't shave it because of that. Like he's holding on. Okay. Because there's no way he would look that bad with a shaved head. Yeah, that is true. I mean, well, plus with the beard, I don't think you would you would necessarily get the 
He put it like this. He couldn't shave it and not have the beard. But nowadays, since everyone's wearing the the beard right. now, I think he could do it and it would be. It'd you be know, fine. Yeah. No. No one would would say anything. And, and plus, once you once you've reached a certain level, yeah, your, I, your looks go out the door. And I, and and I've, I've always tell you, I I I despise the fact that Kobe Bryant um, cut cut the afro because there was there was Kobe Bryant could, could grow afro to this day. So once you've established his hairline's pretty far back, but he he, he he's gone. He's got out of the league now. You just got to you just got to get through thirty six years old or whatever, and then so, so that's your thing. So you're saying this past season. Yeah. His last season, he could have still had the fro. Indeed, I'm on. I'm, 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 I'm going on. That hairline was that was it was no. way back. That Co- was George Jefferson. Kobe Kobe w- w- preempted that by years with with with, with that haircut. And he so, could have. So you're, you're you're telling me if Kobe Bryant had an afro last year, people wouldn't be calling him for to cut that because his hairlines pushed back. I don't think it would have. I mean, we could look at photos and stuff and and, and do a further analysis, but. He had a signature haircut, had his number eight, and he should have he should have rolled that out. Because to me, it's almost like two Kobe's. There, there's yeah, there's Adidas Kobe number eight Afro. There's Nike Kobe number twenty four short hair, and basically the the Colorado incident almost it's not it's not it already he'd already switched the number, but that's almost kind of like the 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 halftime of Kobe's career. Do you think there's anything wrong with that though? It's just bizarre. I don't know. I just, I just felt like, like you had something going, you know, and Kobe had an Afro. You got all these kids now got the short sides and the hair. You had that when nobody else had, it. he had his own thing and he could have rolled that out and would, would have killed the game. Elgin Baylor style. <laughs> and, and, and left it, but this this podcast is not about Kobe Bryant's hair. People, no, this, this is a whole hairline podcast. <laughs> We're gonna go through every player's hairline. Or or, or airline <laughs> is, is, to to make a whack pun. So, like you said, Michael Jordan wore number twenty three. His brother Larry wore forty five. Okay, which Michael Jordan wanted to wear forty five, but he couldn't because of his brother. Okay, is the I guess the original story. All right, so he wore his brother was a big Archie Griffin fan. I guess. <laughs> So, uh, and you know, we, I think we've talked about this before. He wore, Michael at one point wore number 12, the whole stolen jersey yeah. incident. He wore number nine um, for the Olympics because? Uh, he was a huge fan of Roger Maris. <laughs> Four plus five. Okay. Is the reason why. Well, he could have wore five. He won four plus five is nine. Okay. And you can only go, what, one through 15 with the Olympics. Yeah. So, it is what it is. Hey, w- one thing real quick. I was thinking about this on the way in. I was listening to some some music on the way in. Uh oh, that Drake dropped tomorrow. Does it? More life. That's what I heard. Really? Yeah, I, I, speak, I, speaking of Jordan brand, I, I've been uh, oh the OVO. I've been um, absorbed with with so much stuff with uh, AU basketball. I, I haven't even seen anything on music or just pop culture. I need to get plugged back in. And, and the NCAA tournaments are starting up, which we'll talk briefly about. Uh-huh. But I was thinking about this. Michael Jordan, to this day, is the most name-dropped athlete in the history of hip-hop. Okay? Okay. And I'm thinking, what are the top hip-hop lines that have mentioned Michael Jordan or referred to something related to Michael Jordan? Now, I have my top three Jay-Z lines. Now, I did this driving in. I just kind of thought about it. 
my top three Jay-Z lines of all time using MJ. Uh-huh. Okay? And I'm sure you might have some other artists. Okay. Possibly. Possibly. Okay. Possibly. I don't know. I want you to think about it while I'll give you my top three, Jordan, uh-huh. and tell me if you agree with it. I'm going to start with three. Okay. <clears throat> Number three, coming from the Best of Both Worlds album with R. Kelly. I'm Michael Jordan. I play for the team I own. Okay. I, I wasn't. I, I'm not even familiar with that. The Best of Both Worlds album is it, it, way, way down the catalog. Uh, do you remember my Best of Both Worlds story? I remember your best of both worlds phase. <laughs> <laughs> so this was way back. I had never been to a Jay-Z concert. Huge R. Kelly fan. <laughs> we know. Right, <laughs> frighteningly. <laughs> and called a buddy who's in the music industry uh-huh. and got great seats for the best of both worlds to be here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. I'm so pumped. The day of, I go... Get the hairline trimmed up. Okay. Speaking of hairlines, getting the beard trimmed up. All ready to go. <laughs> this is what I said here, folks. <laughs> all ready to go. Listening to the radio. Uh-huh. And the radio whiz. Listening to the whiz. And the lady on the whiz, I think it was Jade West. <laughs> okay. You know, Jade West on the musical quest. She goes, for anybody that has tickets to the Best of Both Worlds uh, concert tonight, it has been canceled. Oh, man. Here's how you can get your refunds. And then later it came out that, R. Kelly the night before went on that trip and, and said that uh, people were waving guns at him in okay. the uh, in the uh, in the audience and he he went off stage and then okay I guess Jay Z's boy Tata Pepper sprayed him okay remember all this stuff I know the flow blew him off the stage the what the flow blew him <laughs> off the stage now that was that that happened the night before okay they came here so so I, I said to myself and I, I'm still a huge R. Kelly fan but I will never attend. Another R. Kelly concert. Oh, that's, that's, that's Is that a little too harsh? It feel, feels like it to me. I'm Michael Jordan. Step into the name of love. I play for the team I own. Number three. Number two. This is off a uh, Hova song. The Michael Jordan of rap. Outside Jay working. Okay. I'm just going to let, let that breathe. <laughs> Keep it moving. My number one. And, and when I say this is number one. Yeah, it's a, I, I mean, the, number two is closer to number three yeah, than it is to number one. When I, when I come back like Jordan. Wearing a four or five. Yeah, okay. It ain't to play games with you. It's to aim at you off the, off the uh, Black Album Be- Encore. Because four or five is also a forty-five caliber handgun, people. It's a violent reference. And the beauty of it, for those that don't know the lyric and know the situation, Jay-Z had retired. Or said he was going to retire from from uh, from hip hop. They know. And Jordan, when Jordan retired, it's, he's, he's making a parallel for for the best person in their respective fields coming back. When Jordan came back, he wore a four or five. When Jay Z came back, he's wearing a four or five, but he's he's waving a four or five gun at you. Ain't to play games with you. Yeah, but but I think the best one comes surprisingly from Lil Bow Wow. And 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 the, whoa, 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 the whoa, epic whoa, whoa. track. Whoa, 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 whoa! Take are, are take you, take take. Are you gonna home, drop take a little bow wow lyric? <clears throat> like waiting. the number two, three in the red and black, Mister One Hundred Six and Parker's back. Holla! Mario, can you save me over here? 
my, my guy Glenn. Little Bow Wow. Yeah. You just don't know the way you move so fast. First of all, we're not going to mention Little Bow Wow and Michael Jordan and Jay Z all in the same thing. To the point he, that he, I just want to take you home. Jesus. So, so down. So. Somebody help me. Somebody. Hey, what are you talking about? Right. First of all, we how we got to not mention Little Bow Wow when he did a movie based on him wearing Air Jordans? More than more than what Jay Z ever did. I don't see Jay Z starring in, in like Mike. So the the little bow wow Michael Jordan reference has been cemented in time, and 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 just to give a shout back, little bow wow blessed us with that verse on a Pharrell track. So but then then Jay Z wants to say wearing these Jordan threes while I chase this cash. He did. He did. That's probably higher than than, than, than number three on than that, that best of both worlds one. No. <laughs> my 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 top three is my top three. I guess. So. Did you know that the the black album that that Jay Z released was supposed to be was supposed to be you mean all, supposed to be or supposed to be it was supposed to be all Primo. I heard that. It, yep, Primo confirmed that. So why 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 can't they? Um, it, it kills me that that like Primo could act like he had a schedule somehow conflicted with so, Jay Z's. So here's what Primo said. I heard it, but but yeah, reiterate. He said that he. Jay Z said, "I need you locked in for two weeks." Yeah, and Primo wouldn't commit to that. <laughs> That's insane. It, it it is beyond wanna, insane. He needs his ass beat. Who? How can you not? Like that would be like saying, um, uh, like if Michael Jordan said, "Look, I'm gonna need, I'm, I'm gonna have you on this podcast. I just need you to spend a couple weeks in Charlotte, so you know, pack your bags." Like, right? No, nah, bro, can't do it. Too, too <laughs> many commitments around this way, Mike. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I don't know, but why can't that still be done? Like it, it, it bothers me so much that that there's all this like potentiality in 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 rap as far as like collaborations. And it's like, nah, like what are you doing with your time, Premier? You 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 you, you can't make a a beat a month, and then at the end of two years, hit Jay Z off with twenty four tracks. Right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it was it was a lot. A lot of it was ego before, but yeah. d- during that interview, I think Primo he sounds a lot better now uh-huh. than he did five, ten years ago. Like he just was so caught up in himself because obviously his beats were at a premium. Like people people wanted his beats, but it wasn't like that. He was never Kanye or oh, he thought it was like that. Well, but th- that's the problem. Like him and Pete Rock think that they 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 are like so sought after, and you're just like. You weren't you weren't never at Metro Boomin level. Well, you, you, well, here's the thing though. And you, by the way, what Metro Boomin is doing with these flutes, <laughs> t- taking them down, stunting on my ex in that new Kodak. What he's doing with a flute beat, man. You feeling it? He, he's doing he Metro Boomin is to flutes in 2017. What Pete Rock was to horns in 1994. And I and, and I'm and I'm aware of how bold that is. You finished or you done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I just think with with a lot of those guys, it, it, a lot of it played in the ego. Because if you think about it, Primo for a period had crafted the sound of New York hip hop. Like that's true. It, it was it, a lot of it came around that sound. But so, he, but he was only getting on Gangstar. He he basically had the Gangstar albums of all of his his, his material more or less, and then he would have the. We doing this for the streets of New York B side of, you know, Biggie and Jay. Like they would always have one primo song. Right. 
And it, and beyond that, it didn't seem like he, he was never doing like a, a heavy volume of work for a lot of successful artists. Right. And, and by that time, by the time like oh four oh five came, Jay Z was clearly the biggest rap artist uh, and, and biggest artist period who would be in demand of a premier track. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, I- Listen, it's it's, it's 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 frustrating to even hear a story about something. You know what I'm saying? It's like saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, Halle Berry wanted to talk to you in 1999." He's like, "This does me no good." Now. Right, right. Let, let me ask you this: What, in in your opinion, what is the greatest hip hop beat of all time? Uh, Peach Fuzz. Because <laughs> we we play it, we play it to start every podcast. If you if you could say one beat. I, that's, I'm real that's, partial to to who shot you. Okay. Um. I really like that that uh, Pharrell um, grinding, mm-hmm. as well as La La La. There is a Pete Rock remix of "Take You There," that is 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 my joint. Okay. And Primo's um, Mass Appeal. That that mass appeal track for 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 yeah. those who who understand um, repetitiveness, not getting old, but but improving as it goes on. Yeah, <laughs> like that song. Yeah, the mass theoretically. Appeal. Yeah, should should you sh- if you like it at first, you would think by the time you heard it ten minutes straight, you're like, okay, this is this is just stupid. Like he's not doing anything, right? <laughs> and, but it just keeps going. But you just, you just and keep it's liking so it. Dope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree with that one. Yeah. If you're in a club, uh huh, and and or just in in the history of if you've been somewhere, <laughs> all eight times I've been in a club, and you heard, have you ever been in a club or a situation and you've heard a track for the first time, and and you were just like, wow. And, I, and I'll give you mine here in okay. a second. <laughs> I'll give you mine. It's it's, it's it's unfortunate, but but I was digging it that night. What is it? Uh. Ludicrous, uh, pee popping. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> that track is a, is a, is a, is a banger. Spooning <laughs> out, really popping. I don't on the handstand. That, that's not necessarily where I was going with this one. <laughs> I'm just hey, you you asked the question. You keep it a triller. All right, I'll give you mine. All right, I'm. This was in Clifton. Uh, whatever I can't even remember what year it was, mm-hmm. and we're we're at a, a, a like a bar club in Clifton. I think it was called uh, it was called uh, the Yacht Club. Okay, remember that? <laughs> remember the Yacht Club in Clifton? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We we were in the Yacht Club, and it just wasn't it wasn't jumping. So uh-huh. we all jumped in my Honda Civic with with mom's house speaker in the back. Okay, and we drive down to Caddy's <laughs> on Pete Rose Way. Keep it real. Okay, we go into Caddy's, and this was back when you had to sign. <laughs> actually sign a piece of paper when you went in okay and then they took your picture <laughs> it was bizarre so we go into caddies rules is rules and um and it was my my, my good buddy uh damon i think asani might have been with me darius and we're in there it's not the night you got chased from norwood is it no <laughs> a different night <laughs> that was a totally different night the the norwood uh chase so this beat comes on we all look at each other like, what What in the world is that? Go up to the DJ booth after we heard it. And we were like, what is that? He was like, 
J-Ru the damage. I'm okay. clean. Oh, and I'm like, run that back. He was like, oh, no doubt. Man runs it back. That to the to this day is still one of my favorite beats of all time. And when it came on at that point, and it was funny because no one knew the song. Okay. And it's not really a track where everyone's going to start dancing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so just, spare. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that the crowd, I mean, you got to think about Caddy's back then. It was a teen club. Uh-huh. And it's just a it's a very diverse group of people. It's not like you got all hip hop heads there. I mean, you've got a yeah, yeah. a great mix of, of folks. Yeah, and this was in a, in an era in which like everyone wasn't just like on rap like like now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Man, that come clean beat. <laughs> Boy. Man, oh, I tell you what, when that uh that hard not life first dropped. Oh yeah. Oh, no it was, doubt. It was like like it was it was all cuz it was basically like like you giving this to Jay-Z? Right, like you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm signing off on this, this without out reading the trailer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, uh, Mario, do you have a moment? Do you have a moment where you heard a song and you just are like, man, that's that's my track forever. That where the party at? Uh, nah, Jagged Edge. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Mario? Maybe when I first bought the Black album and uh, what more can I say when that beat dropped? Okay, okay. That's when I, I think that's when I really like got into Jay Z. I was like yeah. eighth grade, ninth grade. I I roll with that. Yeah, I feel I, that. I, I roll with that. Do you, Glenn? Do you remember Club Claw? Oh yeah, yeah. I did the logo for Club Claw. You did a lot of logos. Okay, Club Claw, Purgatory. <laughs> you talking my talk right now? <laughs> all the, all the good uh, the the Sky Share the related <laughs> nightclub series. It was all the same place, just different names. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> so uh, Club Claw, when the Black Album came out, okay, DJ played the album from start to finish. Oh, that's what's up. Oh yeah, that that was a great moment for me. Yeah, that that, that was when I had a girlfriend. We <laughs> 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 we was that was like like the the exact time out to be my girl. We, we was kicking it with uh, the Black Album. Yeah. That, that's your love album right there? That's yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. That was the, that was the six months when we was with Glenn. That's funny. Oh, man. Hey, hey quickly, I want... What more can I say? <laughs> I was going to avoid saying that. So, uh, quickly, I want to talk uh, about the NCAA yeah. uh, tournament. Now, I did not fill out and post a bracket this year. Me neither. Now, and I was offered. <laughs> People... Hit, I guess ESPN got that thing where yep. it counts it up. So that good for them if they finally got that down to a to a science. Yep. Well, I, I didn't fill one out. I, I what I did instead was I I kind of looked through it and I I picked my uh, final four mm-hmm. based on my I'm doing the air quotes basketball knowledge. Yeah. This isn't this isn't my heart picks. So my final four is Villanova, Arizona, okay, Louisville, and UCLA. Okay. What, what do you think? I disagree with it. Okay. <laughs> but, well, you know, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I picked Kansas. I know everybody's like, oh, uh, never pick Kansas. He, nope. Even though they've won a title in the past eight years. Nope. Um, Although they have they have two outstanding guards, which is very Yeah, important. that's why. I, they, they got two outstanding guards, yep. and they got Josh Jackson. So I'm like, that that that's I, that's I good enough, enough for me. I always think Duke. Just all things being equal, you got the best coach. You got yep. Duke has a team that probably doesn't fit, but they just got talent. So you know who knows. And then and know. how long have I been screaming about Luke Kennard? Yeah, man, 
been getting been getting killed on Twitter for I don't know how many years about Luke Kennard, and you're gonna be a lottery pick. I wouldn't know Luke Kennard if he walked into this room. Luke Kennard, black or white? Oh man, <laughs> you for real? I don't know who Luke Kennard is man. I I, I know Grayson Allen. Of yeah, well, <laughs> and, and Grayson Allen was. I think preseason, yeah, uh, player of the year in, in college. Yeah, a lot, lot of people said he was the NBA prospect. But yeah, Luke Kennard went to Franklin High School. White kid, but shaggy hair. Yeah, right up the road. Oh, I know that. Yep. Okay. Um, you know he's well, if he scored, got to go to Duke, then you know he must be balling. Well, he scored a lot. Well, well here's the thing though: he okay. scored a lot in high school. The conference wasn't great. He aver- he took a lot of shots. He was definitely a a volume scorer. That's the way and, to score. And people said that he couldn't play at the at the level of a duke okay and it, it's just something and about, they laughed at him it's about something about guys that just know how to play yeah and you just know once they get in the system see here's here's the thing that people miss mm-hmm. when you're a senior in high school or even a junior and a college coach is recruiting you he's not thinking about where you will be your first year he's looking at a long-term process for a guy like a luke Kennard. he's yeah. thinking five years where can this guy be? Okay. Okay. So when somebody says, "Oh, no way he could play at Duke," well, you're thinking about you're thinking next year. Yeah. yeah. You're not. Th- you're, you're thinking of, of of the one and done cats and comparing them to him, and that's not that's not you know the way you do it. Exactly. But he's definitely he's definitely put himself in the in the in the NBA. So I'm I'm glad to see that. So yeah, yeah. Duke Duke always has a chance. get that money, Luke. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Who, who else you have? Uh. Probably well, it's Carolina. Carolina's not in the same same joint as um, as um, they're in the side Kansas with Louisville. No, mm-hmm. okay, Kansas is up top. Yeah, um, so I, so those are my three. I don't. I I have to look at a bracket to see. I have coming out the the ones I don't. Is Villanova in the same thing as Duke or Carolina? Uh, not with Carolina. Okay. Um, Duke's a two C, right? Are they? Yes. One? Okay. Who's the one in their their bracket? In uh, Villanova's in Duke's bracket. Oh, in Duke's bracket. Yeah, Mario. Where is that? Can you look that Gonzaga. up? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe in Gonzaga <clears throat> as as a as a strong one, but I would like to. If they win the title, that's going to be something because that's like, you know, what I mean, that that's the only major thing to ever happen at that school as far as you know winning a, a title like that. That's that would be, you know. Thirty years from now, I mean, assuming Gonzaga, I I'm, I'll just I apologize, but I stand corrected. It is Villanova. Okay, okay. I don't, see. I don't even remember. Yeah. So that that'll be like one of those epic things. Like twenty years from now, we're doing documentaries on on the Gonzaga team that won because you know. Yeah. Because they'll probably have to beat somebody like who who's you know super legit. And if they do, we've got to get the walk on. Oh no doubt. Those I saying. Rim back on. Arizona is in there. Uh, is in their bracket. I, I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of of how Arizona's playing right now. Um, after beating UCLA, running through the Pac-10 conference, they seem that they're starting to to figure out their system with Sean Miller. Well, it's always dangerous. One way to lose me as a fan is is defeating um in, in, any of the Ball brothers. So we'll, we'll leave that right there. And we're we're gonna have some uh, Levar Ball talk <laughs> a little a little bit later. <clears throat> so um, quickly. The University of Cincinnati, my Bearcats, play Kansas State tomorrow. Okay. And then if they win that, they're fortunate enough to beat Kansas State. Kansas State won the playing game. They beat uh, 
Uh, who was it? Wake Forest. So they're tired. Uh, possibly. Um, but they they played they played sloppy against Wake Forest. Uh-huh. Um, found a way to win. I think if the Bearcats stay the course, um, in this I think this podcast would be out. You know, after the the result is, but if the Bearcats stay the course, and in the NCAA, the one thing you got to watch out for is if you play a team that's you know a lesser seed and, and a, a team that everyone thinks you're going to beat, you can't get nervous and you you can't get in a, a, a rush if the other team goes up or it's a close game at halftime. For example, Minnesota was playing Middle Tennessee State today, yeah, and Middle Tennessee was giving them a game and. Minnesota panicked, and if took, they would took that L, yeah, they would have just stayed the course, chipped away. You got to stay the course, like 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 George like George Bush Senior. <laughs> what? That was one of his. Um, oh, is that one of his quotes? Yeah, when Dana Carvey used to used to mock him, he would always say, "Stay the course." Oh, okay, well, I, I retract that statement yeah. then. No new taxes. <laughs> uh, Xavier, Xavier's playing Maryland. So on television right now, we're watching it as we're doing the podcast. So you know, you know Maryland is, is is a tight school. So you that's know, right. Yeah. So your your designs. Yeah. So we we uh you know conflicted. I, there there are no losers in this game, it, it, Glenn. <laughs> the school closest to my home and, and the school that that has benefited um from 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 my ideas and and, and has given me some of my revenue. <laughs> Okay. Go Terps. <laughs> so, Fa- most famous Jay Z Maryland quote. Go ahead. In the home of the Terrapins. <laughs> we, okay. We were, yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> got dirt cheap from Plus, if they're short. We were serving them. So, uh, so, some of the other local teams that are in the tournament, we just talked about Xavier, NKU. That's great, crazy. Great story for NKU. Yeah, when people talk about Northern Kentucky was at a tournament, I was like, um, is this um, Division One? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they've they've historically been a Division Two. Yeah, team, that's man. what I'm saying. So it's like funny that, like, but I mean, first year, first year eligible. That's crazy. For the NCAA tournament, and they 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 win their conference, and they're going to win the whole whole thing next year. So, <laughs> well, they, a, they they play UK. The new sheriff in town. Play UK. Whatever. Um, Small thing to a giant. You know. Minor setback for a major comeback. I think NKU is going to play uh, UK tough for a half, and okay. then I think UK will wear him down. Monk Monk will start to do what he does. Monk will start hitting eight eight consecutive shots, and 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 Bam will 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 start dominating the post. Dayton, uh, we talked to walk on uh, uh, Jack Westerfeld from from Dayton. Yep. So they play Wichita State. Okay. And uh, Zach Bush. One of the walk-ons we had on here. Hey, hey. Yep. So the the two walk-ons going at each other. They they can, they can um, exchange war stories of the No Further Comments <laughs> podcast. I talked to both of them today. Okay. Yeah, I, I sent them some Is that, that game tonight or? or, or? Uh, it's tomorrow. Okay, cool. So yeah. hopefully but, when you get this podcast, they haven't already, already played each other and or fought. I, uh, <laughs> I was going to go to that game to watch Wichita State versus Dayton. However... They play the same time my Bearcats play. Oh man! So I'm not going. You gotta gotta make a business decision. Always, always gotta make a business decision. Now, hey, one thing with this with this podcast, Glenn, and, and since it's number twenty three, you you can't talk about Michael Jordan and, and not talk about the shoe game. Yeah, and what and what he's done 
for the for the shoe game. And there, there, he's pretty much the MVP of the of the shoe game all, all time. Just, <laughs> no doubt about it. In fact, he has his own shoe. Did you know? Did you know about this? Really? Tell me more. <laughs> you talking about the Stavali? <laughs> <laughs> They're called the Air Jordans, oh. and uh, every year there's a new pair. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, the, and the, when did it start? The you the you seem to like them. <laughs> when did this happen? I don't know. I, I missed that. Okay, yeah, you, you really need to get up on it. <laughs> well, you know, there, there have been a lot of people responsible for that that whole branding of of Michael Jordan. Yeah, and 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 where the the, the shoe line is right now. You know, I mean, just to think, coming out of North Carolina, and I and I might be might be wrong on this, but I think Michael initially wanted to sign with Adidas. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was always said that um, um, he wore Converse in uh, North Carolina, but always would wear Adidas in like practice and everything. But you know, you had to wear the team official shoe when you played in the game. But he really wanted to um, sign with Adidas. I, I don't think they were um, like Nike was offering way more like they didn't they didn't see the vision and i think there was a um you know if the numbers were close he would have rolled with, with adidas but you know that's not the way, way it went down and nike agreed to the signature shoe and it was out the door just think of how different the landscape of the shoe game would be think of how different the the, the hood would be period he said, "Forget, forget the shoe game." The I mean, hood. for real, the, like the world would be so different if Michael Jordan side, side, did side with Nike. We would just be—I don't even. I mean, would I even know you? Would, would we even be speaking here? <laughs> would we be friends? I mean, it would almost be like an alternate timeline. I would just be like, "Oh yeah, what if uh, you know what? What if Kennedy lived?" <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you can't. We can't talk about Air Jordan sneakers without talking about the next guest. We would like to bring in who? Who is this? Straight out of California, okay, Los Angeles. Now, for those that don't know this man, you're gonna learn today. You're gonna learn. In, in Complex Magazine in 2013, uh-huh. had an article. It was on the 25 most important people in sneakers, and I was not on it. I was you, omitted. You, yeah, you, you, you didn't make the list that year. <laughs> But there was a guy that made that list. Matter okay. of fact, number six. Okay. I've got him at number one. Damn right. That's right. It's my good friend, Gentry Humphrey. G-Money, what's up? What's happening? What's happening? How you guys doing? We're doing well. This is my co-host, Glenn Riley, here with me. What's up, nice man? Nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet oh, you as well. So, so, oh, good. so, G, let me, let me set the stage real quick on, on um, how you and I know each other. And I'm not sure. If you, I'm not sure if you remember the details of this story, but back in uh, I think it was around 2000, uh, close to around September or so, I just finished playing basketball at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, I come back with the the current team that's there at UC. We were in the locker room. One of the assistant coaches that year asked me to come in because they had some uh, some people. I think they said some people are coming that I think you need to listen to. And I was like, what What in the world? Okay, I'll show up. <laughs> so I show up, and in walks three folks that walk in the room, and I see this guy, Gentry Humphrey. And I'm like, I I know who that guy is. I'm, I'm, big, in, I'm big in the sneaker world. Yeah, yeah. And it's Gentry Humphrey. I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> and so my teammates, 
I don't. You taking 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 Snapchats? Man, Snapchat wasn't <laughs> wasn't, wasn't popping back then yet. I would have if it was popping. But you tweeting all about yeah, this? <laughs> so, so Gentry and his team talk about the and at that time, uh, the Jordan brand was getting ready to release the Jordan Fifteen. Okay, and Gentry and the team laid out all these Jordan sneakers, talked about it, and talked about how the the process and and we were you know obviously a Jordan uh, brand school at that time, and I'm just in heaven. I'm in heaven you know, listening to him and, and learning about the process. And after we finished, I asked Gentry if I could have his email. And he gave me his email, shot him an email. The biggest mistake that man ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we, have, we have been friends and we've communicated um, ever since. And Gentry, I just want to say, first and foremost, I truly appreciate your friendship um, over this, over this, what, 17 years now almost. Man. Hey, it's all good, and uh, the feeling's mutual. Absolutely. So so if you could, tell everyone uh, a little bit about your story, how you got to Nike, and how you got involved with the Jordan brand. Wow. Well, I, I don't want to take up your whole show, but uh, <laughs> I'll, try to condense it. I'll try to condense it down. Um, well, you know, as a kid, uh, well, people ask me this question, first of all, all the time. And I used to say it was a matter of being at the right place at the right time. But the reality of it is, is I believe that, um, you know, I, I kind of uh, set myself up for the job, even as a kid. So as a kindergartner, I was that kid that before I went to school every day, I would set out three outfits the night before. I had an outfit that I was going to play whatever sport I was into, and at the time I was big into football, not as much into basketball, but super big into football, mm-hmm. um, a little bit into basketball. And then I would I felt like I had to be somewhat GQ going to school, even at five years old, so That's I right. had a GQ outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and then of all things, I probably shouldn't admit this, but for whatever reason, I was in the Cowboys, and so I had a Cowboy outfit. <laughs> Don't be ashamed, so, man. Dukes of Hazzard was, was, was my joint. <laughs> I, had, I had Cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> but in all that, everything had to be hooked up from head to toe. Uh-huh. And it was just kind of part of my DNA as a kid. And then as I started to grow older, um, I always just uh, believed in following my passion and ultimately, when it was, you know, I got through school, I played basketball in uh, college at the junior college level, played in high school. And that was basketball became my first love. And I stayed connected to the game. And uh, growing up, uh, I had to basically pay for school myself. And so mm-hmm. I started working. And when I chose my first job, I chose a job that, again, fit my second passion, which would happen to be footwear at the time. So there was always this connection to footwear, kind of the fashion industry from day one. And, uh, you know, once I started to, you know, uh, I started my first job at, at Nordstrom, worked in the shoe department, and uh, was that guy that just loved shoes. And at the time, the store only um, did dress shoes and casual shoes. And when I got there, uh, I, I did really well. I had that philosophy that, you know, if you're going to do something, just be the best at it. So if uh-huh. you asked me to go fill, fill jelly jars, I was going to be the best jelly jar filler in the world. <laughs> right. And so right. that was <laughs> that was just my mentality. And so that carried me a long ways um, throughout 
you know, the start of my career. One thing led to another. I kind of advanced in the company, became a buyer. As I became a buyer um, for Nordstrom, I changed the, uh, the the footwear mix to include athletic footwear. And then that kind of just started everything. Once I started doing it with Nike, um, Nike came at me to recruit me to come work for them and, you know, the rest is kind of history as far as how I got started. And so, well, let me ask you this real oh, quick. Uh, Gentry, let yeah. me ask you this real quick. You said you played college basketball. Yeah. yeah. What, what type of game did you have? <laughs> yeah, who well, did, who'd you play you like? Know, it, it, well, it was kind of funny. First of all, I don't know, for those that don't know me, I'm only 5'6". So, I, people in high school, they heard me. <laughs> they heard me coming before they saw me because I was that guy that was dribbling basketball all around the campus, uh-huh. and uh, and I was just who I was. And you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to go to the league, but obviously reality set in, and, and so so I had to, uh, you know, I had to had to do the do the do the opposite of uh, just kind of relying on my my basketball skills. I had to rely on my basketball IQ to kind of mm-hmm. change it up and do the next thing. But as far as play, I'd probably say um, I was kind of uh, Bud Webb-like. Okay. Um, you, don't? you know, back in the day, yeah, I was Bud Webb-like. No, I, could, I couldn't bang out like Webb, but, you know, at 5'6", <laughs> at you know, I, I, throw, I throw down a mean tennis ball. <laughs> 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 now, now what? But uh, yeah, that was kind of my game. Now, what what kicks did you wear back then? What, what kicks were you hooping in? Well, you know, it was funny. So <laughs> I'll never forget. Even as a little kid, you know, I thought I I wanted to rock Adidas Superstars, and and because they had been the first thing with leather that mm-hmm. you could kind of do something with, and I would always customize mine. I had whatever my team colors were, I'd paint mine. To, to make sure that I was a little bit different than everybody else. Um, so I, I, but my my dad first started me off in Chuck Taylors of all things, and I had to wear Chuck Taylors as a kid. Um, I got to wear actually I didn't wear the the canvas ones, so the leather ones, okay. and uh, we had the leather lows, and then I wore Dr. J's, and then I got to Adidas, and then when Nike came out, um, I started rocking Nikes, and then uh, was a Nike guy ever since. Gotcha. So, so when you get to the the Jordan brand, what was the first sneaker or first project you were involved with? Well, so so uh, you got to remember, Jordan brand really wasn't set up uh, to be its own entity. It was set up as a sub uh, brand through Nike Basketball, and so I, as it was under Nike Basketball, I was working on on Jordan product projects and. Really, the first one that I kind of had uh, a little bit of hand on was the uh, Air Jordan Four. Okay, and then you know, so it nice. went from there on, you know, uh, all the way up until the twenty three. Uh huh. What What was your favorite? What was your favorite project? Oh man, you know, it's so many, so many. It's it's you know, it's kind of like. You know, the parents that gets asked, like, you know, what's your favorite kid? And you don't want to say what your favorite kid is. Oh, oh my mom says Glenn. So when you, you, uh, literally, the shoe game, you know, it takes us um, pretty much 18 months from concept to finished product to uh, do it. So all these projects, they feel kind of like your kids. And so you become... It becomes a love affair with with each and every one of them. But if I had to say one, um, 
I would probably say the Air Jordan 11, um, and not because, and nowadays that's like almost everybody's favorite. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it, it's different. It's, it's because, you know, when you're working with Michael, the first thing that you know is that he is not like anybody else and doesn't want to be like anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so trying to bring a little bit of his swag into the product was always kind of our first you know, one of our goals, our first goal was to make sure that we built something that performed for him that was going to allow him to um, take his game to the next level. And so, you know, he actually had talked about putting patent leather on the Air Jordan 9, and it was a little bit, you know, that was a little too uncomfortable for us. Uh-huh. Um, but by the time it was time to do the 11, uh, working with Tinker Hatfield, who's just a phenomenal designer, um, we sat down and we talked about kind of what, uh, you know, what could this be? And we started from a performance uh, angle first, and Michael was having a, a little bit of plantar fasciitis. And so we wanted to address that first, and that's when the carbon fiber shank came into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a performance story, we wanted people to see it, so you got to see this translucent outsole where you could see the plate um, and see the benefit. And then upper-wise, we said, okay, you know what? How are we going to keep um, Michael's foot on the foot frame? Uh, and we looked at all types of materials, and patent leather is a synthetic, and it doesn't have a tendency to stretch out like normal leathers. Right. So we said, you know what? Here's here's a way that we can build a performance strategy into this upper, so that so that's going to help keep Michael on the foot frame. Okay. And so, um, you know, we combined that with the mesh upper because we wanted to still be lightweight and breathable. And when the first design came back, I mean, I was running around the office like like a crazy kid. I, I was, like, out of control because I thought <laughs> it was so fresh. It was so different. Mm-hmm. And everybody was looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with him? And, and really, it was like I, I thought it was the best thing ever. But the this crazy thing was is back then we used to go out and we had focus groups, same way that we came out to talk to you at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. We would go out in focus groups and talk to players, kids, everybody, just to get a read on if the products that we were going to introduce were on point. And I would tell you, we did tons and tons of focus groups that year, and I'd say probably 95% of the people hated the shoe and told us not to do the shoe because patent leather was so in your face, people didn't get it. And, you know, people would constantly say, take the shiny stuff off the shoe and you got something possibly good. And we looked at each other and we're like, there's no way we're taking it out. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) we kept it and... You know, here it is today. It's been an all-time favorite. Um, but we, you know, there was a few of us that truly stuck to our guns in the face of what most people would have made changes on. And because we stuck to our guns and had a gut feeling that it was the right thing to do, that's why it's my favorite. Wow. So if you guys didn't, you know, go and say, listen, we've got to make this happen, the 11 possibly wouldn't look the way it looks today. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, like 90% of the time when you take these focus groups and you get that much negative feedback on it, we'll go back and we'll make some changes. But on this one, we're like, you know what? Michael's about being different. Michael liked it. We liked it. And we're like, we're rolling. Yeah, focus groups. I've been on a bunch of focus groups. Like, I don't know what the deal was. Maybe they just needed black folks around my age at a certain point. But they used to always call me in for just these product tests and they're some of the dumbest people <laughs> that I've been. <laughs> You're like, like there was a thing with um, 
I was I was a, a a sample person on the first ever week of um, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and they had Snoop Dogg as a co-host. And one of the consistent drum beats you heard was, "I think Snoop should be the host." And you're like, obviously Snoop Dogg hasn't been chosen by the network to be the host of the show. He was just co-hosting for the first week. And this is the type of nonsense you get in, in, in the focus group. Yeah. So whenever we focus yeah. group for the podcast, Alex tells me, oh, people want this. I say, who cares, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got you to gotta go with your gut. You got to yeah. be the Jordan 11. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, are you, are you, are you obviously, you're, you're not surprised that, you know, a lot of folks look at the Jordan 11 as, as the shoe of all shoes. And you, you're not surprised by that, are you? Uh, now I'm not because, you know, once it, it delivers and uh, – It helps you know, me win 72 it, games that season too. Yeah, it did. Yep. <laughs> um, now I'm not surprised. But honestly, back then I was because, again, I was in the first stages when mm-hmm. – I mean, I heard several people say, don't do it. So back then and what it is now, no, but – you know, sometimes you have you, you have that gut feeling that it's the right thing to do because a lot of times when you're trying to create trends, people don't know what they're going to like. Yeah. And so, you know, I always got to the point where it was about, you know, trying to feel um, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so if it made people a little bit uncomfortable, then, then I knew I was in the right zone. Mm-hmm. Was there was there any shoe project you were involved with that you thought okay this is this is going to kill them and it didn't to the extent that you thought it would? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a we did this one shoe. It was actually like when I think back on it, it was really it was really um, it was kind of like the the precursor to like the glove that was done for like Gary Payton. Uh We did this one shoot. Yeah. We did this one shoot and it had this, this shroud that wrapped over the top of it and it was super sleek looking. I I can't even remember the name. The shoe was, it ended up not doing well. Um, But coming out the gates, we're like, man, on, on paper, the thing looked fresh. It was a whole different look. It was, you know, sophisticated. It was something that you wouldn't mind rocking, uh, you know, in the streets as well as on the courts. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the shroud had a, had a little bit of a, uh, it was a team shoe that we had done. It had a little, little, uh, clip that made it a little bit difficult to, to, um, to fasten down. And that was probably a big part of the demise of it. But the silhouette itself was on point when that thing hit, man, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> but you were like, man, that, so, we're going to kill him with this one. Yeah, yeah, it was like, it was like, well, it was one of those things where, like I said, you you want to feel comfortable with being uncomfortable. That one was too far uncomfortable, right? <laughs> to make everybody uncomfortable and, and it had no love. So, yeah. But, so you know, well, I, I want to ask you too, and, and and everybody that listens to our podcast would would want me to ask you questions like this. But working with someone like Michael Jordan on a professional level. Uh, what was that like? And and give give me a, a good story or stories uh, working with him. Uh, well, I think the the first thing is is you know um, 
The secret to Brand Jordan is Michael Jordan, because like I said earlier, he is not like anybody else, and he doesn't want to be like anybody else. And I, I honestly believe if, if he wasn't a, a, a great basketball player, he has the sense of um, he has this, uh, he has a, a sixth sense for you know just doing different and, and being comfortable with being different and mm-hmm. doing it in an authentic way. You know, you can just do crazy. You know, you can do wild things like Dennis Rodman to be different, yeah. but. But, but that doesn't that doesn't if it's not truly authentic then it doesn't really take you to to a place where people respect what you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think um the the secret about Michael is that he comes from an authentic point of view and he can clearly articulate why something should or should not be. And so we would sit down and we would collaborate um and talk about, you know, this thing we want to make it as quick as a fighter jet and we want to make it lightweight, but yeah, we need support here. And so we're going to look at this technology to do that. And so we would talk about all these things and we talk about where the inspiration is going to come from. And as we would start and he would buy in and he would always, you know, or he would not buy in. He would be truly honest with, with what he felt was right. Um, and then we would talk about, you know, what it's going to take to make it the best uh, proposition possible. And when samples and things would come in, we'd share that with him. He'd work with us throughout the entire process. And, um, you know, and he was great at saying, like, you know what? Well, remember, we said we wanted this thing to be as quick as a fighter jet. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? This big heavy thing right here, that's not quick. It's going to slow me down. I don't understand the purpose of it unless it's not. If it's functionally not working, then we'll, let's not do it. Mm-hmm. So he was good like that, whereas most athletes, um, that you work with, and I worked with a ton of them, they can't articulate why they like something or why they don't think something's going to work. You know, it's like, oh, man, you know, I, I'm not feeling that. Okay, well, why? <laughs> what can we do to make it better? Uh, I don't know, dog. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> I just ain't feeling it. <laughs> yeah, so so that doesn't help us. Yeah. So, you know, but Michael is way different than that. He He's really, really sharp when it comes to that. So, He's really the secret weapon, um, and uh, he's phenomenal to work with. Uh, I mean, his, his just his basketball IQ is crazy, you know. So when you talk the game to him, you find out nuances that lead to great inspirations um, for products. And so, you know, it's just it's amazing. I mean, we see what he's like on the court um, and things that he he could do on the court. But like I, when it comes to his basketball IQ, I think people just didn't realize that what level he was playing at. I mean, something as simple as, you know, I remember uh, one playoff uh, series when he was getting ready to play against uh, Reggie Miller, and uh, you know, I would I would talk to him. I'm like, hey, is there anybody that's like you just can't stand like Garden? And he goes, no. He goes, I go at everybody as hard as possible, and he goes. It, that's just how I operate. Uh-huh. And I said, okay. I said, I, I get that. And, and he said, but he would say um, things like, I, I said, well, he, he says, you got to know everything about your opponent and you got to know how to play against your opponent strategically. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he would say things like, well, you know what? You can name anybody in the NBA, any two guard in the NBA, and I can tell you majority of the time where they're going to miss. Like he, if you said Reggie Miller, he would say, well, 
22% of the time he's going to miss his shot. When he misses, it's going to come left. Or or 32% is going to be, you know, short or whatever. He had all these statistics, and you can just rattle off any guy. Man, he was doing analytics in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Man. Yeah. So, and, and honestly, like, to be honest with you, I think that's a trait of, like, the great ones, the great athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like, like I have, I can tell you another story, like the one that was super impressive. One of the guys that was part of the Jordan brand, um, that, that led some of our training business at one time was Roy Jones Jr. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Roy, like, you know, at the time, pound for pound, he was one of the best to, to ever do it. And to give you an idea of how sharp the guy is, one time I was, sitting down with them talking about, you know, how we're going to create this next shoe. And we're talking boxing. And so I would ask them all kind of questions. And one of the questions that I asked him, I said, hey, you know, when you're hitting the speed bag, like, why are you hitting the speed bag? And he's like, well, you know, for most boxers, it's about timing. You know, he knows everybody's just trying to work on their timing. He goes, but for me, he goes, it's about trying to hone in on my hearing. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. So I'm hitting the bag, and I'm letting the bag, my hand hit the bag, and I'm listening to that sound of my hand hitting the bag. I'm also listening to the sound of the bag hitting the top of the board. And I'm listening to the rhythm, and I'm trying to sharpen my hearing. I'm like, okay, like, what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. He said, well, think about it. He said, think about it. If an opponent throws a punch, never is he going to, inhale as he throws a punch. When he throws a punch, he's going to exhale. So if I can listen to a, to a, a fighter's breathing habit and, and understand what his breathing habits are like, I can possibly know that he's going to throw a punch before he even throws it. Oh, wow. So, again, great ones are able to kind of take things to, the, to another level. Right. And, you know, not only are they physical specimens and they put in the hard work there, but they, their IQ for the sport allows them to come become a genius in that sport because, you know, they do things time and time again, and they're students of their sport or their game. And it just, you know, the, 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 the real special ones do it at a, at a whole other level. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's crazy with uh, Roy Jones Jr. because, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, boxing and boxing workouts, and I've, I've never mm-hmm. heard that. And it makes sense, though. Yeah, you're real tough for the title. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm up for the title. <laughs> I'm going after. You going against Triple G? Oh uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want any part of him. I, I'm going for McGregor. I'm gonna fight McGregor first, get him warmed up for Floyd. <laughs> Money team. <Okay. laughs> Money Meach. <laughs> hey, Gentry. Another thing too, your your impact on on the shoe game is is obviously unreal. And when you watch, for example, the NCAA tournaments going on right now. And I've been watching games since twelve fifteen a day, all the way till now. You watch these kids on the court, and I mean, I think just between the twelve and two o'clock game, I might have seen probably twelve retro shoes out there, all, all shoes that you've had a hand in. When you see that on the court today, I mean, do you realize the impact and and, and what that's done for the game? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um... Not probably as much as I should. I just look at it as, you know, we tried back in the day. We tried to create the best shoes 
possible. Uh, anything that's going to allow a player to play, take his game to the next level, that's what it was all about. How do uh-huh. you create something from a performance standpoint that's going to really, really work? So it doesn't surprise me today that some of these shoes still um, perform at the level that they have or that they do just because, like, they have all of the technology um, that we had at the time um, that was going to allow people to do what they needed to do. Um, I think the difference is, is nowadays, you know, the product is a little bit lighter weight. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, so you know, so that that's probably the biggest difference. But as you guys know, in basketball, sometimes lightweight is not always the best because there's, you know, some people feel like if it's too light, it doesn't provide the support that that's needed. Right. So it doesn't surprise me today that some guys are still rocking it, um, you know, from a performance standpoint. And then it doesn't also surprise me that it, that that they show up on court today because um, from a cosmetic standpoint or aesthetic point of view, they're still way different, you know, than kind of most of the shoes that are done today. So mm-hmm. if you're looking to kind of – set yourself apart from everybody else. And, you know, there's still some of that, uh, some of the bragging rights that's associated, you know, back in the day, if you rock, walked on the court and you had George on, you better be able to go. Otherwise, <laughs> you were going to get clowned. <laughs> and so I think a little bit of that swag, you know, kind of kind of uh, carries through to younger athletes today who don't even really, may not have even fully uh, embraced kind of what Michael truly brought to the game, but they know that everything that the brand's associated with and kind of the the special nature of what the product is. So it doesn't really surprise me today. Yeah, it, and, and I want to tell you this, and I probably haven't told you this sometimes, but I, I, I've dropped your name a few times uh, meeting some people um, not long <laughs> ago. <laughs> so not long ago, I ran into Penny Hardaway. I don't, I don't, know, oh, if, yeah. I don't yeah. know if I told yeah. you that story, and, and uh, he, he was uh-huh. – he was standing and uh, off to the side, and there were some people around him. And so I, I know Gentry. Yeah, I know Gentry. I was like, "Oh, for real? How you, how you know him?" So uh, I talked to him. Now you, you, and he was cool. He was like, "Yeah, what's up?" So, uh, and, and you've worked with Penny. Uh, can you talk a little right. bit about that? Yeah, you know, it was crazy because um, uh, when I when I first had to work with Penny, someone else was was kind of really working with them and. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, when a, when an athlete has a signature product, he wants to have you know a little ha- little hand in kind of how it all goes down. And at the time, we had guys that you know were kind of new to working with certain athletes, and you know, guys got to feel a little bit comfortable with who they who they're you know working with. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't get kind of the honest feedback that you really need to do something right. Well, when I had to work with them, it was on a project that was already down the road. And then, you know, at that point, it was trying to like, okay, we need somebody to sell them on this because we should have probably worked with them a little more um, than we did. And so when I sat down with Penny, I was just really honest with them. I'm like, here's the deal. Uh, Here's kind of how we address this, both from a performance and an aesthetic point of view. Here's kind of what, you know, what you're into, what you're all about, and you know what? Where's your head? And, you know, at first it was like, you know, he was like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is cool. I'm not kind of liking this, and or I like this, or whatever. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. 
want to go back. We're going to kind of work on this. We're going to, as, as we kind of uh, continue to do different iterations of it, I'll keep you in the loop, let you know what's going on, and then we'll go from there. And so that's how I kind of built, uh, you know, some trust and a rapport with him. And then mm-hmm. after that, it was just a matter of, you know, making him feel like he was invested in the process from minute one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we became, we became pretty good friends and, you know, now we both play golf, and so when we see each other, you know, we, we you know, play golf together, and, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> I still have, like, you remember that song, Return of the Mac? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no every doubt. Time, <laughs> every time that, every single time that song comes on, I think of Penny Hardaway, because I remember one time we were going into a, a we're, we're getting ready to have a meeting, and I, I was riding in his car, and we were headed to the place where we were going to meet. And that song came, it had just come out, and like we were both just, you know, we were like, uh, you know, like in that movie Barbershop, how everybody's bumping their heads, shaking their heads, you know, mm-hmm. to the beat. That's how we were on that song, uh-huh. and that song just sticks with me every single time I hear it, even today. But um, yeah, so we have <laughs> great relationship. <laughs> we have a great relationship now. That's cool. That, that's that's what's up. Yeah, it, Penny's always seemed like a a great guy. I saw there was recently a, a story. I don't know if it was a a short documentary about what he's doing now. Have you seen that? And he went back and, yeah, yeah. and coached. I mean, that's yep. that's a great. Yep. <laughs> they put that 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 piece they did is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he and it shows kind of Penny's. Uh, you know, I think what's really cool about that is that you know you get to see another side of the athlete, and you know. Penny, you know, had he not gotten hurt, man, he he could have been the next that next dude, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I remember him and MJ, you know, saying like he thought that Penny was going to be the next, you know, the next big guy, and uh, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, the injuries kind of got to him a little bit. But yep. man, he had his game was not he had it all. Oh, no doubt. And 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 you talked about golfing with him, and if you could talk about what you're doing now with the company. Yeah, so so now um, now I'm the vice president of uh, of golf uh, footwear, and uh, just you know it was fun. It's kind of like you know, like I said earlier, I've always uh, done things that I was truly passionate about, and you know I was doing basketball for what twenty something years, twenty seven years or so, uh-huh. and uh, and I just really wanted to change the pace up a little bit, and. Um, uh, at the time, well, a year ago when I moved over, um, our, our footwear business, um, I felt like it in golf could have been uh, at a different state than it than it was, and so I looked at it as a new challenge for me, and and so uh, I came over to uh, take over the whole golf world and try to create a buzz and change the game up a little bit and do things different and you know shake it up, kind of like. Uh, like what I was able to do uh, with some of the basketball products. So having a great time doing it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, created some mad hysteria about three weeks ago when we launched uh, the first Air Jordan 1 golf shoe. I, I mean, it saw was that. ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, you know, the golf industry hadn't seen anything like that and got just a lot more uh, – a lot more things to do and and have have a lot more fun uh, changing it up. That's what's up. Now I, I've got to yeah. ask you this question. So the the uh, last podcast we did, we had a guy on the show named Corey Blunt. 
I don't know if you know who Corey yeah, Blunt is. Yeah. You know Corey? Yeah. Yep. 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 So, so Corey was on our show live here in the studio, and I know Corey really well. Know his story, um, and he said during the the podcast he spent some time with with Tupac, and I, I had no idea. I've known him for a long time. I, I had no idea he was in the studio with Pac. He hung out with Pac, knew him, and it blew me away. So I've got to ask anybody from the West Coast that comes on this show. And you've been around a, a lot of celebrities. Have you ever been around or had an experience with Tupac? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Um, the the only time that I, I I had an experience, I didn't even know who he was. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> okay. he was with uh, Digital Underground. Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so a friend of mine um, uh, knew Shock G, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so we were hanging out one time, and Tupac was there, but I didn't even know the cat who the cat was. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the only experience he, that he I wasn't had. No he wasn't on Humpty Yeah, so so I, I did. That was my only experience that that I had with them, um, and I hadn't, you know, but never really got a chance to kind of experience it uh, him when he had, you know, in his heyday. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. You're probably number one or number two on the all-time list of people who who just get hit up for sneaker requests twenty four seven three sixty five sixty six on leap year. What, yeah, what's the yeah. what's the? You've got to have some some stories that just like the weirdest things people requested or people just thinking that they could they could you know you got you're gonna be able to hook them up in some form or fashion. Well, it, I mean, it's the typical one that you always hear. You know, if something gets ready to drop and you don't hear from, I mean, you haven't heard from somebody in 10 years. <laughs> and like, like, hey, G-Money, what's up, dude? How you doing? Hey, y'all. I'm hey, them joints are coming out this weekend. Can you, can you hold the brother up? <laughs> like, really? I mean, that, right. that's, that, that one is like nonstop. That's so. the classic. Yeah, that's 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 the the most historical one. But um, you know, I, I don't really have any like crazy ones. Uh, I mean, that's probably the biggest one. It's just, yeah, I mean, it, and sometimes like you know, you know, it's coming. Like you see phone call. You see, I mean, I used to like it was funny. People would give me the number, and then I knew were you know kind of going to be that dude. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not even going to put the number in. But then I realized I had to start putting the number in so that I knew who it was. <laughs> so <laughs> I, could avoid, I could avoid picking the call up. I need to start, I need to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so, you know, because you don't know who it is. So you end up picking up, hey, what's up? And I'm like, damn it, this dude got me. Yeah. <laughs> got me. <laughs> Switched up on you. I mean, yeah, you know, top of phones, man. <laughs> So yeah, so those, those are probably about as bad as it gets. <laughs> well, you know what, Gentry, and I actually have a I have a story behind that with with you and I. So when you gave me your email, and uh-huh. we, we were communicating for the the longest, I don't know how many years uh, we were talking and communicating. I never asked you for a pair of shoes, and right, right. one day you sent me an email and you asked me my size, and I said size eleven. And you sent me a pair of shoes, and you and and, and I, I'll never forget the email. You said, "Hey, you know, thanks for for being a loyal, 
you know, uh, you know, sneak Jordan sneaker guy. And, and this is just, you know, it's a little gift. And I was like, oh, man, thank you so much. And you had sent me uh, a pair of Dub Zeros and they were white and orange. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and they hadn't been released yet. So yeah. true story. I'm in I'm in Florida. I'm in Orlando and I'm at Nationals for, for AAU. And our team finished playing like around two o'clock. Well, Marcus and Jeffrey were playing for a team called Rising Stars, and, <laughs> yep. and they played at six o'clock. So our my team wanted to come back and watch them play. I said, "Oh yeah, uh-huh. I'm throwing on my Dub Zeros too today when we come back." <laughs> so I threw them on. I come to the game. I never forget this. They're they're like warming up, and 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 Marcus is standing there, and one of Marcus's teammates looks at my shoes and he points to him. And he says to Marcus, he says, "You got those." Marcus is like, nah. And Marcus looks at me. He's like, where'd you get those? I was like, I can't tell you, man. Yeah. So, so you ain't up on this. You ain't up on this, son. You don't know about this. Ask, ask your father about these. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. You know, that that's probably the biggest thing is like usually like the people that that are genuine and sincere with you, they don't ask. Those are the ones that you find yourself wanting to take care of. Um but the ones that just like always hound you, like every time you know it's coming, those are the ones who are like, oh no, here we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, I have a story kind of like that with, uh, do you know Wilson Smith who uh, worked at Nike? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Will's the one that did that shoe that, that I thought was going to pop off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, if, if you ever no, tell. Wilson is a great designer. He's oh, my man. guy. Yeah. T- if you see that dude, tell him. Uh, I, I love that guy forever. When I was maybe. 13 years old i was you know I, i'm an artist and stuff and i i was drawing shoes and everything and my mom sent uh, a letter to nike and sent sh- um my, my shoe designs wherever and he responded back and it was the nicest thing ever and asked me what my shoe size was and sent like some air flights like i think it was air flight yeah. two like it was probably oh, 1988 nice. And this was like three or four months before these dropped. And, you know, this is pre-internet. Like, if you got something three yep. or four months out, the world ain't yeah. going to see these until mm-hmm. you, you saw these in Oregon right. and on my feet. And <laughs> right. I told the kids, like, like, yeah, I've been talking to Nike. And they were like, shut up. Like, like you were straight lying. I was like, no, they sent me some shoes. But I, had, I didn't wear them yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, so I, I'm, I'm just rock them on Monday. And it was like, you lying. You would have wore them today. Yeah. But I killed them on Monday. Tell, tell, tell Wilson Smith, I, I'll always have that Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have to tell Wilson about that. Oh, no doubt. I'm, I'm going to reach out to him at some point just to just to let him know how much I appreciate that as, as a child. That's my man, 50 grand. Yeah, he's good, dude. Yeah, and, and Gentry, I want to not only thank you for you know your, your mentorship with me. I've, I've called you on several occasions for for different things and asked your advice, and I always appreciate that. And probably even even more so is uh, your mentorship and taking under your wings a young man that I mentored back in the day, and he's a grown man now, and that's uh, Jamal Lucas. And oh yeah, that's my guy. I know, and Jamal. You know, I, I told you from day one, Jamal was going to be a star. You know. I, yep. Yep. And so I, I really appreciate your uh, your mentorship of of him and and uh, and the family he's he's put together. So you you were a big part of that. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure, man. It's all good. It's, you know, 
part of it is about paying for it, and the other part of it is when you got good people, it's easier, it's easy for good people to gravitate towards one another. So that was kind of an easy one. Yep, yep, no doubt. And when I come back out, I'll be back on the West Coast. We have to connect up. And if you remember, some years ago, we worked out. We did the we did the um, the basketball breakfast workout, club. the Breakfast Club. Yep. And you, yep, yep. we still do it. Oh man, I I got to jump in that again. What what was your nickname? You remember? Uh, you remember? <laughs> well, I've had I've had I've had several of them, but the one you're probably speaking of is the A and W. You know, I, I was I was I was stealing myself one day, and uh, I was because I was lighting them up, and uh, they're like, "Gee, man, you killing it today?" I'm like, "Yeah, just call me A and W." And they're like, "A and W." I said, "Yeah, I'm the ageless wonder, baby." Yep. <laughs> and, and and do you remember that you? It was you, and we were doing the shooting drills, and it was you going against Matt, Matt Tama Michael. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, that was that yeah. was that was classic. Good times, man. Well, <laughs> hey, I appreciate your time. I know you're a super busy guy. We're just uh, appreciative of you coming on the show. And uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Good luck to you guys. Wishing you the best. Proud of you for uh, kind of making things happen. You had that entrepreneur spirit, and uh, it seems to have paid off for you in many ways. So thank you. Stay blessed, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll we'll be in touch soon. All right. Appreciate it. RG Money. We'll holler at you, man. Yes, All right, sir. You guys, take care. You too. Peace. Yeah, man. Oh, man. G's a good, G's a good dude, man. Oh, no doubt. Now, what what shoe, I want to ask you, since we're talking about the Jordan shoe, what shoe would you say in that Jordan shoe line really brought you in, like, I, I've got to get these. i got to be a part of the, the, the mm. this brand. It's weird because I, uh, um, you know, Every time they dropped, it was kind of like revolutionary because, you know, when when the first one came out, it was like, man, and like, I, you know, I'm old enough that I remember a, a world pre-Jordan. Right. So, I mean, you know, you couldn't even get them at the stores. Like, it was just like, where do you even, I think maybe one store in Cincinnati had them at like, like I think it's Courtside downtown on the square. Oh, wow. And that that's, that's taking it back. <laughs> I, I don't even remember that. Of course, I was 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 epic. That's where you got your your Run DMC Adidas shirts. That's where you got your Ewings at. How close was it to uh, the House of Adam? Uh, maybe a block and a half. Courtside was underneath the square. You remember you could you could walk from the square okay. underneath. Yeah, where okay. it used to be like a a, yep. a coin shop. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I know it was, exactly. It was, yep. it was across the street from from there. But um, I don't know. Like every pair was dope. Like the the first six were just on point to the point so i mean it was like you know it's just so you, different from yeah i mean you, you you had me at hello you know what i'm saying it really didn't have to um i married the first time i saw the threes so i was like oh this is this is like i, I don't i don't really know how to yeah same same here you can't you can't speak mm-hmm. to people under a certain age about the world pre-internet like you didn't yeah. <laughs> when you saw something you couldn't go to the internet and see it again. You just saw it and it just lived in your mind for the rest of the day. Uh-huh. So like, I remember I would always buy the sports illustrated, um, college basketball preview uh-huh. and it had the air revolutions in it. And that was the first basketball shoe to have the visible air. So like the air max. And it was just like, this is just incredible. I mean, it's an ad even to this day that, that that's like, it's just the shoe with like a, uh, in the background, it's just a sky. Like it's just floating through the air. And it's just like, Man, these are, these are dope. 
And just, just looking at that and like like passing the, the the magazine around class and stuff, people like, yeah, these these are, these is dope. Uh-huh. And then it was this dude named named Sion that went to Walnut Hills, and I remember um, um, passing class one day, and he I guess he was like a senior. We, I was like a freshman, or junior. I mean, uh, well, not even freshman, but like seventh, or eighth grade. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, what's it? What are those? And we had the the um, the white threes, and it was like, okay. And this was like the white had, the white and cement. Yeah, and, okay. and this was pre um, All Star game before the commercial dropped. So it was just like, like <laughs> I'm just going up the steps, just staring at this. Like, like I don't know what this is. This, this is, this is, this is changing, changing my day right now. Yeah, but yeah. And then when those, when, and, and then when the three commercial dropped with Spike Lee, that was game that over. Was, that was, I, I can't tell you how how dope that moment was. I remember my um my um cousin Kim let me um stay while while he um. While the slam dunk contest was on, so he he had to go someplace, but he let me me drop by by the crib and had on. And I remember that commercial came on during the slam dunk contest on All Star, and I was like, "This it's is like, yeah. this is crazy! Like, what what, right. what just happened? What, right. what what just happened here?" Right. And I was like familiar, lightweight with um with uh Spike Lee because of um she's got to have to drop, but it was just like you you're. you're you're combining Spike Lee with Michael Jordan, and the commercial didn't have no music. It was in yeah. black and white. Yep. It was <laughs> well, the, the the Jordan threes for me really brought me in. I I think I was too young for the ones and the twos. Uh-huh. The threes brought me in, and, and this, I, I got two stories behind that quick, and they tie together. Mm-hmm. When I got the black cement Jordan threes, and I went to school in middle school, and I was wearing them, I had a teacher when I was wearing them in class couldn't believe the pair of shoes I had on. Uh-huh. I mean, I went to a small private school, yeah, uh, Doherty on Madison Road. Okay, the, the teacher had never seen anything like that. She went and told the art teacher. The art teacher left class, came in to see my shoes. Oh wow! Yeah, and and the, and the funny thing was, I had her later in the bell, but she came over to see him anyway. So I had her class, Mrs. Hutchinson. Okay. R.I.P. She passed away. So I went Miss, Mrs. Hutchinson's art class. You know Mrs. Hutchinson? No, but all our teachers are dead now. <laughs> so many teachers that if if you love the teacher in elementary school, we're at the age at which fifty percent of them are. De- it it I don't even like to think about like my elementary right. teachers because if I just go through the list in my mind, I'm like they've, they've got to be dead. Yeah, it's not they're, fair. They're either dead or they're in their nineties. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Mrs. Hutchinson. How do I, <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Hutchinson? Uh, um, I had these shoes on, and she said, "I'll never forget this." She said that uh, you're gonna play they, UC. They remind you. No, she wasn't that prophetic. She, she, she said they remind her of some some moon boots. Okay, and I needed to do the moonwalk. So there was this girl in the class that uh-huh. I liked a lot. That's she right. really wasn't giving me the time of day. She did. So Mrs. Hutchinson got had me get up in front of the whole class and do like this dance and moonwalk. Uh huh. And she took a picture of it. I still to this day have that picture, and I'm gonna post that picture with this oh, podcast. Wow. And the girl who I liked is in the background going like this. Like, they, 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 <laughs> reconsidering her life choices. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Then I go to basketball practice. I wear those black Jordan 3s. Everyone else had on some white Nikes. And at that point, everybody wanted those black 3s. Okay. So by the game, uh, I think that was like maybe I was wearing them like on Tuesday. By the time we had a game on Saturday, everyone on the team had those black 3s. And I knew right then and there. 
there was something to these shoes. Yeah, yeah. And I needed more. Oh, it's weird though. Like how many like like the the uh, cutest girl at school at, at uh, performing arts um, first spoke to me when I had on like some um, Air Force Twos uh-huh. and was asking me where those the new Jordans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's a trip. Still cool with her now. <laughs> <laughs> now Mario, Mario, grab the mic. I know, I know you like shoes. Grab the mic like you on Soul Train. What what shoe what shoe did it for you? The Jordan 12, the playoffs, uh, got them in third grade for my birthday. Got them stolen on my birthday. Same day I wore them. Man. <laughs> what? That was short-lived. So you bought them. What, the black ones? My mom got them for the, me the for playoffs, my birthday. The sick games? They got stolen. So you talking about the black and white? Yeah, the black and white yeah, playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so explain this again. You bought them? I bought them. Well, my mom bought them for me for my birthday. Right. They got stolen this, the first day I wore them. I took them off the tumble, and they got stolen because <laughs> I didn't want to get them dirty. <laughs> oh, this is some hood never talk. Got another pair of Jordans talk about the tumble. My year of high school. Man, we got to hear about Mario tumbling. Forget the Jays. We, let's take a detour. You was tumbling? <laughs> Can you still tumble? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we put this on, this on the snap tonight. Can you tumble down this hallway for real? I'm not gonna tumble in the hallway. No, I can't tumble though. <laughs> Man, oh, you hit a back no five times and looked up and your and your J's was gone. Your twelve, <laughs> your twelves is dipped. Well, I tell you, Man. I, in, in the Jordan, the Jordan twelves are my my second favorite Jordan the, of all time. That's the shoe I had the most of. The twelves, I love the twelves. Yeah. And, and and we've talked about this before, but the twelves on the court from a distance look so crazy to me. Uh huh. That's the, and I and when when Michael Jordan played an exhibition game in Louisville years years ago when the twelves came out he wore the white and red twelves okay. he played the Kings they were playing the Kings and I was there at that uh, exhibition game and I remember sitting we had seats that were pretty far back I'm just like man I gotta get those shoes yeah and that was we really didn't that colorway wasn't even out like no one had seen that. And we saw it for the first time, and we're like, oh, man. Because the white and black, the taxis, as they call yeah, them, yeah. were the only ones that were out. Yeah, that's such a shoe that, that um, just the silhouette from a distance looks so live. And, and it's weird the um, because it's not um, directly symmetrical, how, like, the, the one side, um, the, right. the it, like, kind of encroaches on the toe a little bit yep. more than the other. And, yeah, I, I thought those were – just look so dope. Let's just like you know, with with jeans and just a whole bunch of uh, hookups. Well, the, the the Jordan Five, the the black metallic five is will always be my all time favorite. And I will never forget. Remember when GQ mm-hmm. used to have the pictures of the Jordans and the GQ? It yeah. would be a special picture. Yeah, that always did it for me. Okay, like when I saw the five in the GQ, I'm like, that, oh, that's, that's, that's what you sold. Oh, I was like, that's. That's the greatest shoe. I remember of all time. seeing them in a in a book. Um, you remember Nike used to have those, those little. There were like hand sized books with with um. They might have the orange, you know, like the box. They have little stripes, and, and it would be like a mini catalog. And they had like oh, one yeah, for yeah, four. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and somebody had that joint. Um, I and it had the um, the white and black ones, and had the um the first look of the great ones in there. And it was like, what, what is this? Like, Whoa. 
yeah, and, and and that and that's always a real game changer because that was kind of like the first time a Jordan had a color that was just like, okay, we're just gonna set the agenda with this. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like th- this has no bearing to anything else. We're not trying to match it up with a team. We just like this is for real. Like, it's probably the original encroachment upon fashion that a, that a mm-hmm. sneaker ever did, and I, I don't think that one gets the the that colorway gets the credit as far as the overall. That that shoe basically forecasts what the sneaker game would be like twenty years later. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, listen, I I, I want to segue into this, and I know I know my guy Mario is is short on time tonight, so I want to jump into this real quick. I want to do our blast from the past song. Okay. And this song is off the Space Jam soundtrack. All right. And listen, it, it, it's obviously the most famous song off the soundtrack. Oh man! But <laughs> I, I want to tell you why. I think everybody in the world knows this song. Sing for us, Mario. Sing along. Is this "You Are Not Alone" by Michael Jackson? Because <laughs> the same chorus. Did, did R. Kelly write that? Yes. Those songs are dangerously similar. So, my question is, uh-huh. is this song the greatest song off a soundtrack for a movie of all time that tied into a movie? Uh, I wouldn't say that. Give me one that's better. Staying Alive? Mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Staying Alive is, 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 I mean, The Heart Will Go On is, is a contender. The what? The Celine Dion song from Titanic. Uh, yeah. That, that's, but, but, but Staying Alive is, is integral. That, 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 that's still, you know, that, that, that defines that era. So you put that at one? Probably, yeah. Okay, what do you have at two? Uh, Whitney Houston? That, that would be up there. Because that song is is more famous than the um, than the movie. You know what I'm saying? People know that song and they think of you know what I'm saying. You think, yeah. You, you you don't think of the plot lines of, of the bodyguard. You think of, of of I will always love you. I mean, it's it's it's, it's certainly a top five. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we're missing. You know, a bunch of other stuff from the '80s. I mean, like I don't think Axel F counts. <laughs> Nope. I mean, you know, there's certain um, songs that are like, like, um, I guess you would call them soundtrack songs, but they're like, you know, part of the score, right? More of, yeah. So more so, so than the, that, like, right? I'm I'm ranking I'm ranking that as number one. Okay, I believe I can fly. I don't care what you say. Well, what what's the one the Cooley High song? Uh, uh, how do I say goodbye? What yeah. that like for for the main. That was more famous with Wachka. So. Damn, Mario throwing the music <laughs> at the Oscars. Best chance, <laughs> it is the Oscars. And the winner <laughs> is. Uh... <laughs> hey, yeah. Mario's got to go. Mario's so... got to go. Hey. So. <laughs> hey, we want to thank everybody. La for, La uh... Land, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been our Michael Jordan centric podcast. So we're about to, to shut shut out shop since we're, we're being, uh, you know, told we have to. The Oscar Oscar music's playing. All right, thank everybody for listening to another episode of the No Further Comments podcast, episode number twenty three, and we'll see you on twenty four. The ceiling is the roof. The, the Kobe forecast. The, the Kobe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs>